And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disney won't stop. Hope Molinax and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. Now they move on to Resistance and beyond. I'm Gene Gene, the MC Machine, and this is J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Resistance. In this episode... On a simple supply run, Kaz and his friends discover an ancient temple and someone unexpected. There will be Death Traps, a badass buffalo lady that will kick the shit out of everyone's asses, and follow the butterflies, follow the butterflies, Wee! That's a really deep cut Harry Potter puppet pals joke right there. So, yeah, anyway, we're talking about the Relic Raiders this week. How are you doing, Chris? Good. <laughs> I actually almost sent you that clip from Potter Puppet Pals and be like, would this count as a song of the episode? Because it's just pu- it's just Puppet Ron going, follow the butterflies, follow the butterflies, wait, and I almost sent it to you. And I was like, I don't know if that counts as a song for an episode. <laughs> I don't know if it counts. Yeah, guess what? We decide what counts <gasps> as a song. Oh my god, my brain just went to the shittiest place of like, remember that 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 song, that really shitty song from the 2000s, and it was just like, come my lady, come, come my lady, yes, you're yes. butterfly, sugar baby. One of those two. I forgot two. about the butterfly in it, yeah, yeah, I remember that song. <laughs> what was the name of that band? I don't know, the super creepy creep band. Uh, come my lady, butter. I can't spell. I I just wrote Boutree Flies. Some late, his girlfriend's like, don't tell me what to do. Crazy Town. Oh, crazy. That was like the only song by them, wasn't it? Anyway. Thank God. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But Relic Creators, yay. How you doing this week? Good. That's good. Do anything fun or exciting? Uh, I mean, life is fun and exciting if you really think about it. That's true. The, the the nature of existence and all that, but I didn't do it. Nothing really unusual. It's been uh, I've been missing garage shaling because I can only garage shale with Scott McGregor every other week mm-hmm. because of his because of Tina's schedule, and we need <laughs> Tina aboard. And right. and when we have had a an on weekend, it's poured rain, like like just poured flood mm-hmm. flood like rains. So. It's been a real thin summer for Grasha, and so. And the reason that you know they have a schedule for this, listeners, if you don't know, Chris has another podcast called Grudge Cell Gloat. So they record a podcast as they do this. Not so much this summer. <laughs> I've done mm-hmm. two episodes of it. It's the easiest podcast to edit too. So and 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 uh, usually I can churn out a whole bunch of them, but no, it's saving me money though, which is good. I'm sort of in the process of possibly doing something cool. Um, Liam McIntyre, who is the voice of Commander Pyre, 
um, he's been doing a series of charity live streams because his wife cousin, his wife's cousin has a brain tumor and he's trying to raise oh, money. God, to help I thought you said wife cousin. I'm like, no, no, his what? wife's cousin is trying to raise money um, because uh, she has a brain tumor. So he's been helping trying to raise money. And so I reached out to them. I was like, you know, I sell Star Wars resistance stuff in my store. I'm a, I'm a fan of your show. I'm like, I'd be happy to donate some items to run to like a raffle or something. So I've been talking, um, going back and forth. So that, that's kind of cool. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about that. I, I like I, I like being able to help, but it's also cool to be like chatting like with Lydia McIntyre and just be you like, should yeah. cross stitch him something. I can't cross stitch that fast <laughs> or else I totally would. Um, I, I have always have been debating about getting an embroidery machine, um, but then I would have to learn how to use it. And that takes time. But I have thought about it. I kind of been going back and forth about that. I just uh, have one. But the thing about cross stitching is I like sitting by, um, in front of the TV and just doing my thing. If I had a machine, I'd have to be at a desk and I couldn't like. Well, watch yeah, that's that's for like manufacturing something. But like if you do the I would just say you could make something like personalized and it's handmade and stuff like that. Yeah, you know? but that it always, takes, go, always goes well at raffles. It usually takes me like weeks to months to embroider something just because of time. So it wouldn't be like a right away thing. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a cool thing to be chatting with Mr. McIntyre and I'm happy that I can try and help a, somebody get a needed surgery. So yeah, hope feels good about that. And I started writing a High Republic fan fiction because my feelings Ooh. after the last High Republic book were horrible. So I started writing a fan fiction because <laughs> fanfics makes the feelings go away. Is it going to be a wholesome one where nobody dies? It is wholesome because is it the High Republic picnic or something like that. Well, they did go to a diner last. Uh, I did write them going to a <laughs> diner, so it's getting. It, it's about how because um, Loden is my favorite character. Loden Greatstorm is my favorite character of the High Republic, and um, I'm writing a fic about how he met his Padawan Bell, and so it's about him how him and Bell met and like their time as like Padawan and master, and it's just it's fun. I've been I'm having a lot of fun and. I can I can say at the moment of this recording I'm the only person who has a, a Torben Buck or a Cadam Sai fanfic on AO3. So <laughs> I'm starting the trend, bitches. <laughs> I'm the first. So <laughs> give me Master Buckets of Blood and Master Sai. I'm here for it. Um, yeah. So Relic Graders, what you think? Um. I think I'm going to be a little scandalous on this one. This Ooh. is what I this my this is definitely my least favorite episode this season so far. Really? That's so yeah. interesting. Really? Yeah. Cuz my thing about this is is that like I and I and I've said this before on the show but in case you're jumping in this for the first time I'll say it again. When I was watching season 2 for the first time, I put so much like weight on every episode because I knew it was the last season and I was like, oh, every episode must be important then. And so I gave the season an unfair advantage. So something I'm kind of doing it, this time around for the podcast is I'm trying to look at everything in a vacuum. So like looking at the episode on its own, not with it within its place in the season. So I actually really enjoyed this episode this time around, just standing on its own, not like with like pretending it's just going to be ongoing, not the last season or anything. And I really yeah. enjoyed it. I'm I'm not taking as high road a hope as, as hope is with the like. As a matter of fact, I'm more so this time than I was last time. 
of where like this, you know, I'm watching it and, you know, these are the, the I'll, I'll get these right out of the way at the top because I've talked about them in the last two or three episodes of like not enough Tam, um, you know, a per- perfectly serviceable adventure episode, but time's running out, you know, and I really like the more I watch, the more I really think and maybe they had they they didn't do this as much or they took out more tam stuff because maybe they didn't know how first order stuff would cross with that was more likely to cross with movie continuity and the movies were were, sort of in flux because trust wasn't wasn't even written at the time right so so they might but like i really think this season would have benefited in as in its you know in the as the truncation of the show to be sort of a one like from the from as soon as Tam is <clears throat> separated from from her friends to when she comes back, it should be almost like a one to one amount of Tam in the first order and people on the Colossus. Even though Tam's just one character, mm-hmm. I think narratively it would have, you know, it would have really like given, you know, a, a good contrast and could have said something and this is and so but i also have reasons just as if this was just a pocket episode of a force you know of a six season show that i had no you know no time running out that i have uh, have problems with it it would have been yeah i mean yeah, so I, have, I, I, I find it so funny that you you're on the on your second viewing through you're viewing this the way i viewed it on my first viewing <laughs> So that's that's so yeah. Yeah, usually it's the is. opposite. Usually you're a lot more flexible to stuff, and I'm just like, ah, I hate it. um, yeah. I I was thinking about this as you were talking. Um, it's another thing that just sets resistance apart because when Clone Wars and Rebels were both running, the movie timelines they were set in were complete. The the prequel trilogy was done. All the Clone Wars was doing was filling in gaps, so they knew what right. they were working with. And same thing with Rebels. Like even though Rebels was entirely new characters, they were still in a known timeline. And even yeah. now with Bad Batch, we're seeing that. But like well, re- resistance, resistance does. It was like it's like the Marvel comics. They don't have yeah. or in the old days they don't have the power. To be like, let's do this and let the movies, you know, catch up with this. You know, they had to, they have to pace with the movies. They have to conform to whatever the movie's going to do. And, and none the of the other gonna... shows had done that. Um, so that's just another thing that sets Resistance apart is they were kind of building the they were helping building the bridge of the sequel trilogy as the sequel trilogy bridge was still being built. If that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah. So whatever reason for it, I, I really think it would have it would have benefited from from a different structure from that structure or structure I, like that i really like the the more i think about it I, I wonder what resistance would look like if it came if it started after tross and had the luxury of having a completed sequel trilogy to work with i wonder what it would look like i would do you think they would have made it differently yes oh definitely yeah definitely you would have had you would have had much more material to you know you would have had more material introduced into the canon for better or worse to work with you know mm-hmm. yeah i i think so too i think they would be able to smooth a lot of things out like because i actually yeah. cause I, I especially like with they're Tam, doing right? with the bad batch yeah oh absolutely. god hope oh god did you read about kenobi 
maybe? No, you didn't. You must not have. It looks like. Is it callus? The callus thing? It looks like their cat. This is something you're going to go like, oh, I knew this two weeks ago. But I just I was just reading about how it looks pretty, pretty clear that they're casting inquisitors. I, I've Maybe. seen those rumors flying around because somebody one, one of it's, I it's, it's getting I guess it's getting more like as things get more things get released and cast members get mm-hmm. released. And I think somebody might have actually been said is coming out as. Uh, oh, I, I'm, what, I'm kind, one of the one the of the actresses. Brother, who was who was the blocky brother? You know the like. Oh, Hulk that was the uh, fifth the fifth brother. Yeah, they've uh, they've cast the fifth brother. I'm I'm not okay. The whole thing is I don't trust anything until I see it as official. Um, so but I will say one of the actresses who was cast. I'm sorry, I'm forgetting her name at the moment. She had put on her Instagram like I got to play with a lightsaber. So a lot of people were like, yep. "Ooh, what does that mean? Like, is she an inquisitor?" And like, I'd be down for it to be Barra Sophie. <laughs> um but yeah like that there's been inquisitor rumors flying around but i will not believe anything official until i see it either from starwars.com or i watch the show because i am it was a story epiphany for me because i thought to myself of course that was what will get kenobi off planet and and away from like away from luke you know that'll mm-hmm. take the story away from luke i get i i i i've heard they've cast um a little girl as leia too i saw that floating around so that's interesting i have a lot of interest well, yeah I, uh, he, they obviously they can't meet he can't meet leia but like having the inquisitors around means like if there's inquisitors around looking for people with the force that means Kenobi is kind of a beacon to Luke, you know, on 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 tattooing. So maybe he might run across and maybe kill an Inquisitor on tattooing and then boogie out of there and hope to draw <laughs> the Inquisitors, you know, to him somewhere else, you know, where um, where. uh you know he can't he's separate from luke you know so where he can keep that secret because obviously the empire the emperor and vader never find out about luke so if there's inquisitors around and and it also makes me think really why couldn't he go to dagobah at some point yeah i i they're drinking buddies yeah, I, I don't know what to think about this, because uh, I actually, I saw, the reason I said callous, like, there was a random, like, like, person saying, like, we have one on good sources that callous is going to be in the Kenobi show, and I was like, why? <laughs> Isn't yeah, he- exactly. <laughs> what? Like, it makes more sense for callous to be in Andor, because they're both fulcrum agents, that makes more sense. But, like, I was like, why would callous be in the Kenobi show, of all things? <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know what to think. Like I'm I'm not the biggest one of like but but I have heard the, the Inquisitor rumors floating around for a while now, which I would love to see a live action Inquisitor. I would love to see Yeah, you would literally love to see a live action Inquisitor. Dep- depending on when the show is set, like Grande Boyfriend could come up and Jason Isaac could play Grande Boyfriend. <laughs> 
but I'm not putting all my hopes in a basket because I've done that before and I've been disappointed. So unless it's officially from StarWars.com or I watch the episode, then I try not to believe everything. Part of it also is like, that's kind of what ruined a lot of season two of The Mandalorian because I knew like Bo-Katan and Ahsoka were coming and it, it kind of took away the surprise. And that's kind of what I like about Bad Batch. Like I had no idea Cad Bane was going to fucking show up in Bad Batch and that moment of just like, oh yeah. my God, it's Cad Bane and Toto! Like, and so that's why I've, I've kind of tried try to stay away from, like, rumors and stuff, because I don't want to get my hopes up, and it's so much fun to have that moment where you, like, where, like, you hear the boots, and you just know it's Cad. Yep. <laughs> you hear the music. Yep, yep, yep. Anyway, Roller Critters, you ready to get into it? Uh, oh, yeah. <clears throat> Here comes my salt. The, this is my salt week. I... Oh, Chris is going to be a big old salt lick this week. Not really. I, I'm not angry at the episode or anything, but I'm I'm a little angry at the episode. Actually. I'm actually going to have one of my notes right here at the top in, during the extra information. So in the background okay. stuff. So here we go. The Relic Raiders is the 28th episode of Star Wars Resistance. It aired on November 17th, 2019, and it was written by Brandon Allman and directed by Brad Rao. Here's my first note. So... When it came to Clone Wars and Rebels, Dave Filoni was the executive producer. But with those two shows, if they were very important episodes, he would write them. Like, he wrote, like, the big stuff. And Brandon Allman is the executive producer of Resistance. And if you look at the episodes he's written for the show, they're all, with the exception of, like, this one and another one, they're all, like, the openings and the finales, like, the big episodes. And so... This makes me think that Mika Gray was supposed to be a bigger character, that this was supposed to be a bigger thing, because when executive producers are writing episodes, they're supposed to be game changers, you know, because they have their hand oh. in the pie. And then Mika's only in one other episode, and that's it. So I have, so I have two theories wonder, on that. Yeah, it makes me wonder that if there was supposed to be like if the show had gone on, Mika was supposed to be playing a much bigger role. If it was supposed to be an important episode, it wasn't. It doesn't feel very important, <clears throat> but it would be important if Mika Gray was going to have her own series as sort of like the Star Wars version of Indiana Jones, you know, which would be awesome. Um, but I don't know if that. I I think my personal pet theory pet <laughs> theory is this is this is Dave Filoni's uh, Loth Wolves. I think this. I think this oh, guy wants to write a a, a a Force Sith Temple story, and he wanted to write an Indiana Jones story, and he figured out a way to do it. And he this 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 feels like an maybe like I didn't think of this to watching the show, but now that I know this info, this feels like maybe it's a little indulgence of Brandon Amon of just uh, doing like you know get get which. God bless him. I would do the same damn thing if I had my <laughs> chance in Star Wars. Oh hell yeah, everybody and everybody should. You know, get your Why chance. Do I get one do, whole episode to write a Star Wars. Okay, well, I wanted to. I I wanted to see. You know, making. I want to do some. Of, if you're gonna work on Star Wars at <laughs> some point, unless it's totally awful, if you can get it in there, you should try to get that thing you've always wanted to see in Star Wars in there. That's, you know, that's. I mean, that's kind of. The, like that's kind of the spirit of it so you know he wanted to do something you know 
uh, more likely than a Sith temple, he wanted to do something Indiana Jones and a Sith temple was um, just a good a method of doing it. But it is kind of out of place in, in resistance with and the it, force stuff. It's and the thing because like when because I'm the opposite. I feel the opposite about this because when the season two trailer first dropped, this Sith temple was all anyone ever talked about. And they were like, holy crap, we're going to a Sith temple in resistance. Like, what does that mean? There's no force in that. What does that mean? And then you have this kind of teaser with like Ayla being like kind of force sensitive and these teases. And so it felt like it was supposed to be a big deal because of the lack of force stuff in resistance to have suddenly a lot of force stuff in a single episode. It felt like it was a, it was going to be a setup to something bigger, especially when they name drop Kylo. You know, they well, talk about the Supreme Leader. So I kind of pictured the kids like with Mika Gray in the show. If they if they went off to do a show, she would be like, "I'll take the kids. You know, I'll be their their mother, and we'll off we go off into the galaxy." Because she also sees the Force that you know she could help help the little girl and stuff but that was you know that was maybe something that they had an idea for or maybe it could have happened but it, it doesn't seem like it happened or it, it caught on at, at that point it would have it probably would have helped if like resistance was a huge hit at that time or something they could have maybe spun it off but the only thing that i thought was interesting about it as far as a sith temple goes is like Okay, when a Sith, when Jedi walk into or Sith walk into a Sith temple, it's all supernatural, like oh, you know, ghosts and spirits flying. When it's when it's just regular Joes just wander into it, it's just like a fucking carnival funhouse. It's just like ha ha, sp-. <laughs> you know, it doesn't waste its force energy on on that. It doesn't like give them a big show. It just is like, yeah, press yeah. this button and you get you get. <laughs> <laughs> we actually talked about that a lot. Up. We talked about that when in Rebels about the difference between how like the Jedi Temple on Lothal felt alive, like it was a living thing, while the Sith Temple on Malachor felt like it was this mechanical death trap. And and here it's kind of the opposite. Yeah, the but Sith it was Temple also feels. a spiritual death trap too. And so yeah. it's so, like, and I have a feeling if they walked into a Jedi Temple. They would have been like, wow, I feel really peaceful here. And that would have been about as, you know, as far as it went, you know, they wouldn't have said anything off or, or anything. Yeah. They just would have been like, what beautiful ruins these are, you know? Yeah, we're, we're starting just, to touch a little bit on one of my notes. Yeah, yeah. OK, <laughs> sorry. No, no, we're fine. We're fine. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to note that about Brandon Almond. So anyway, extra information, the rest of it. Mika Gray is voiced by Tootie Roche. Her other works include Home Improvement and City of Angels. Kel and Ayla have updated character models with new outfits in this episode. The choice was made to show that they are now safe on the Colossus and part of the community, allowing them to get new clothes. The planet Ashes Re, Ashes, Ashes, Ashes Re is an old Sith world, and it dates back to the Tales of the Jedi Companion, a role-playing game source book first published by Western Games back in 1996. The lore of Jedi temples being built over conquered Sith temples is an idea that surfaced during the development development of the Clone Wars. I don't have this noted, but that, that was one of the lost um, arcs that never got made was uh, Ahsoka discovering the temple underneath the Jedi temple in Coruscant and Palpatine trying to break in and her having to keep Palpatine out. That was one of the things that was never made in Clone Wars. 
Um, even the Jedi Temple on Coruscant has its ancient Sith shrine deep beneath its foundations. This shrine was seen in the High Republic novel Into the Dark, and it was called and it was called the Shrine in the Depths. There are symbols engraved in the Jedi Temple, and it is a snake fish base. It's a snake fish uh, symbol, and it's based off the yin yang. The snake represents the dark side of the Force, and the fish is the light side. It reinforces the fact that the Jedi Temple was built over a Sith, Sith temple to balance out the energy in that area. I also slightly want to know this, note this because we're going to get to fish yin yang when we get to Avatar and when in Avatar that we're covering in our other podcast <laughs> that comes up. Uh, the character of Mika Gray evolved from imagining what if Asajj Ventress would have been like if she actually survived into this era. Pablo Hidalgo of Lucasfilm tells Star Wars, though, though it is not Asajj Ventress and they are not the same person, an unaffiliated Force user who has gone through much was a strong point of inspiration for the well-traveled Mika Gray. And finally, the First Order Raiders are a new and original design of Stormtroopers made specifically for this episode. Do you know who else is a well-traveled, unaffiliated force user? Mmm, very unaffiliated. Mm. Yeah, you, you live off the grid now, boy. Yes. Way off that grid. Off the grid? Unattached? Yes, Yoda's living the life. Unattached and ready to mosey. Mm. Hey, ladies. <laughs> How you doing, Yoda? You having a good week? Not bad. Good. Well, I got a question for you. Oh, a, a question for Yoda? I yes. do. Yoda answers all questions. So, the last few nights, I've been having some trouble sleeping. I've, I've been having some bad insomnia. And I was wondering, you know, you have so much on your mind and so much to do. What do you do when you need to sleep and can't sleep? Like, what, what are some of your tricks, Yoda? Yoda usually sleeps like little baby. Well, you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> sucking thumb, kicking feet. Yoda assumes because Yoda is asleep. But when Yoda can't sleep, many, many methods Yoda has. Yoda will count gorgs or blurgs. So Sometimes Yoda um, will deep breathing ep- ep- exercises mm. do you, sometimes you uh, drink the the space nyquil uh, so, well yoda likes spa- prefers space liquor oh yeah yeah but when yoda really can't sleep mm, yoda will will get out his little little space bong and have some midichlorana <laughs> puts yoda right to beddy bye <laughs> I thought you said space pogs, like the pogs from the 90s, and it took me a second to realize what you were saying. Pogs. Space pogs. Pogs. Uh, I thought about not a pogs. Yeah. Pollywogs. Yum, Pollywogs. Mm. Oh, you were a pollywog. Mmm, good soup. Mmm, no. Oh. Don't eat pollywogs. Oh, poor babies. Well, okay, I, I will try that. I will try Poly, some. Polywog noodle soup all day. I have not tried counting blurgs yet, so I think I think I'm gonna give that one a try. If if I if I try to count gorgs too. Gorgs, gorgs. I I will I will count my ship, the endless kisses of Callus and Zeb, just floating over my head, and then that won't help because that'll just make me want to write fan fiction. 
Sorry, Yoda does not know what that is. It's fine. It's fine. You'll, you'll it, don't look yourself up on the, up on the internet, Yoda. You'll find out, and you won't. Like Yoda's it. on the internet. Don't look. Oh, don't. Oh. No. No. Don't. Oh. Okay. 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 Um, Yoda will look up Yoda fan fiction for sure. Yeah. Have fun. Hmm. Well, that's gonna keep him busy till next week. <laughs> oh, he's gonna sleep like a baby tonight. Oh my God, we're gonna come he's back next week. He's gonna have some dreams tonight. He's gonna be like the number one person on Pornhub and get his own. Uh, what was it? OnlyFans? Oh, let's, don't even, don't even. Yeah, let's not even <laughs> tell him about Pornhub. Jeez. Oh my God, and he's gonna be on Only OnlyFans and like, like having like if, weekly videos. Although I almost want to get Yoda onto Pornhub so I can sneak in and check his browser history just to see what's up. You know. He's going to start his a little like, psychological things. profile. Swallow this banana, I will. Yes. <laughs> hey, you guys choose to listen to us. You guys that's choose right. to be here. That's right. Don't tell them that because then they go, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, act one. That's like what the that's like what the dealer at the crack house tells you. It was your decision to come down here. Don't blame me. And then they walk out, you know, like questioning their life decisions on death sticks. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Act One. Yes. Yes, Act One. We yeah. open Chris's salty episode with the dads. And Boss Dad and Captain Dad are there, and Yeager and Dozer are like, Hello, Kaz, Tora, and Freya. Here is some money, and there is a planet. We want you to go down to that planet and get a bunch of shopping done, because it's a trading outpost, and it's going to be fine. And Freya is like, Wow, you're asking the girls to go shopping. That's not slightly sexist in the least. Why didn't you ask Griff, or Hype, or Bo, or anyone else on the ship? And Kaz is like, I know too and she's like you don't count <laughs> sorry kaz we love you anyway so they go to the hangar and kaz is prepping his shuttle to leave and the kids from tahar kel and ayla come up and they're like hey kaz can we sneak on board your ship and he's like that's a bad idea and they're like well if you tell us no we're gonna do it anyway and kaz is like well can't argue with that and they sneak on the ship and cb23 looks kaz in the eye and goes oh you're such a fucking softy god this is why people die, because people like you. And he's like, see, you're being so mean. Anyway, so they yeah, get on didn't the Didn't you learn a goddamn thing from Darth Buggles last episode, Kaz? I know, right? Two or three episodes ago, whatever. Poor, Jesus. Poor Allie. <laughs> she messaged me a few days ago. She's like, I still am thinking about that. I hate you for it. <laughs> Poor Allie. Anyway. People don't like it when you tell them the truth, when you yeah. reveal the truth to them. Anyway, so take they, us for it someday. The truth comes out, but it was Buggles the entire time. It was Buggles all along. Dun, 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 dun. Anyway, so they fly down to the planet, right? And as they're coming in, they're like, huh, we, we've been calling the outpost and we, we can't get a hold of anybody. And they, they land at the outpost, and it's beautiful, by the way. It's some really gorgeous animation. Um, they land on the outpost, and the entire place seems deserted and there's no one there so they start spreading out well excuse me Kel and Ayla get off to this too and they're like wow where are all the people and Cass is like what are you doing here stay on the ship and he tries to hide them but the kids are like 
but we saw some butterflies. We're going to go follow the butterflies now. And they go following the butterflies. But I have to know. I, th I thought this was cool. Sorry, we're going to be serious for a second. Um, I was looking at the concept artwork for the butterflies, and they're called ash butterflies. And I just thought that was neat. No, because I was like, ooh, what makes them ashy? Like, you know, I, I just thought that I've never the heard of an ash. skin gets dry. I guess so. I've never heard of an ash butterfly. And I just really liked that name. That was a really cool little Star Wars name. I just wanted to note it there. Um, anyway, so they uh, follow the butterflies like Ron Weasley. And the kids run off. So Tor and Freya um, find some Oh, I thought I wrote fire some morning shots. <laughs> Hope can't read. Can Hope ever read? No, she can't. Um, Tora and Freya find some warning signs, and all the warning signs are just like, beware, there's evil here, run away, run away. And Freya's like, you know what this means, guys? Everything here is free. We're just going to take everything, because they left it, Finders keepers, we're gonna save our money and just take all of their shit because it's their fucking fault. Who's in? And Kaz and Tora are like, cool, we're thieves now. Awesome. So they split up and Kaz goes back for the kids. So he finds them following the butterflies and they scatter, revealing a temple of the force. And the kids are like, wow, a temple of the force? It reminds us of our temple back home. And Kaz is like, oh, the Jedi and the Force. Those are just kids' stories. I don't believe in that thing. And Ayla's like, mm, you're a non-believer. Shun the non-believer. Shun. Shun. Kaz is like, I can throw you back in a ship if you want. <laughs> so they go inside the temple, and they hear a woman inside, and she's calling for help, and she's all like, help me, children, help me. And so they go to check it out. And so they start going down further into the temple, and they're going down the stairs, and they're going underground. And as the deeper they get into, they start seeing all these red lines and this, you know, death artwork. And they start hearing some, like, death metal playing in the background, and, like, they hear, like, some disturb going on and stuff like that. And, and Cass is like, I don't think we're in a Jedi temple anymore. You know, when you hear, um, hold on, Hope used to know death metal, but Hope doesn't sell death metal anymore. Uh, death metal... Uh, Kaz, this is, I'm working really, really hard for the stroke. Here we go, here we go. Uh, Kaz is like, guys, I hear Cannibal Corpse playing, you know? Like, maybe we should Oh leave. my god, oh my god, I was sitting, I heard you looking it up, and I was like, gonna say, uh, Cannibal Corpse eating back to life, but. <laughs> so you picked well, you picked well, Hope. <laughs> I used to work in a music store, so, like, I was, I used to be a lot more, and my coworker loved death metal, so, like, I was familiar enough with it to sell it, but I've never like dove into it. Not, not my thing. It's fine. I had a co coworker who was a high school kid in the '90s, and he was a Cannibal Corpse fan. He came back from school so upset because they made him turn his <clears throat> Cannibal Corpse eaten back till it was, it was two corpses, it was a corpse engaging in cunnilingus, ling lingus with a with a uh, female corpse, and it was it's a Cannibal Corpse eaten back to life. I and, think uh, I used to sell that shirt. He I had think to, I sold he, that shirt. And, uh, yeah, he had to he had to turn the T-shirt inside out at school, and he was so offended that he had to do that. And I was just like, "How did you expect not to?" <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Kaz is like, "I don't think we're in the Jedi Temple anymore," and he accidentally sets off a trap, and a door closes, separating him from the kids. And so he's like, "Kid, just stay calm. We'll find you. Just stay there. Don't step on anything." And the kids are like, "Okay." So CB-23 picks up a life form, and they track it. But then Kaz steps on another trap, and it makes him drunk? 
I don't know why it makes him drunk, but now he's just suddenly drunk. So, drunk Kaz walks into a room, and there is a relic sitting on a little podium, and it's really cool-looking, stuff like that. And he's hearing the woman's voice from below, but drunk-ass Kaz thinks the relic's talking to him. He's all just like, I can get in that little thing, little lady. Are you a little lady? Is that okay? And so he tries to pick it up, and the floor drops out from under him. But, and now Kaz is suddenly sober? Question mark? I guess the fall took his drunkenness away? I don't know. And so he tells CB23 to go find the kids. And he hears something in the shadows. And out of the shadow comes a really badass woman looking all mysterious and awesome. Bum, bum, bum. What'd you think of Act 2? One, one. We're in Act 1. <laughs> act 1. Yep. I'll tell you about Act 2 later. Um, <laughs> I'll start out with my nice note. Uh, Resistance has the best lighting of any of the of the shows so far. You know, I'm... Mm-hmm. Still, the still, shadow work of those trees when they first land. That, that's what I was. Yeah, yeah. When, when they, they first, first land, land, like that's what I was like, doing because I have that like, too. Okay, you can. Okay, whatever. It's simple to do. Um, the quality of you know shadows from trees moving in the wind, but this had shadows from from limbs at different levels, because you know when the light hits stuff that's clo- further away the shadow comes down more like out of focus so there were layers of shadows from all you could see the layers of you didn't you couldn't see the layers of trees above them but you could see that there were what kind of layers and like how much light it was it was just perfect you, it was it was perfect it was amazing okay this is where i started to get a little uh little little grumpy about this episode back in back in the way that i used to get grumpy in in season one about calves at the very beginning of season one I he's backsliding might, into I, that I, be- I think we have the similar note mm-hmm. he's backsliding into that behavior uh i think it's out of character for him i think the kids are out of character because uh, look, look there's there's high stakes involved in all of this you know now they're they're you know, this is like every adventure, like sort of has the survival of the the Colossus hinging on it. Or and could, after or, Nina, like they should be a little bit more wary of a random person who could kill them. Right. Or, or t- and and here's here's the big thing about Kaz is is uh um. Yeah, nobody's listening to each other in this. And these guys are like just went through a big trauma and they they have to pull together. And now all of a sudden, everybody's just sort of like, do it, do, you know, like selfishly doing their own thing or just or being just sort of like, ah, it'll be OK, you know. And OK, so this this is what and this didn't um, I didn't think of this till towards the end of the show and went back and put it in act one is. Kaz just would not bring those kids. He would not allow those kids to come because at this point, Kaz has lost, he, you know, his planet. Yeah, because it's an entirely different situation if he gets on the shuttle and they get down to the surface and then the kids pop up because they snuck on. That's a right, different situation. Right. Then he can deal with it, you know, but this is he let them come along. He's responsible for them. He's not good when you're like when stuff like that happens, you overcompensate. He like 
like they like it would have been more effective to have a scene where Kaz is like yells at the kids a little bit, you know, before and it's just like, no, what do you think? You, do you want to get us all killed? You know, and and then when they get on the planet, the first thing they're reading is evil here. The place is abandoned, like in a hurry and stuff. And and he's just like, all right. I'll, and just like lets the kids wander off, you know, it, he just sort of lets things go. And the kids are acting they're kids. But at the same time, they're also kids who are who have survived trauma and it just all of a sudden everybody's back in sort of a like blithe, happy like a sort one. of place. Where yeah. They, yeah, where they can just sort of like stumble around through an adventure and the stakes are up. They can't stumble around through an adventure anymore. They have to everybody has to, you know step up and i can and i and and you know everybody's human so you can have little spots where kaz backsides and it's part of his personality and stuff but it just did it didn't ring true to me at all you know it was just like this is like a and and there you know there you if 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 it wasn't for a food run you could find some other reason that you could have done this in season like early in season one this episode you know and uh so yeah, it's just totally like it. I, I, I was starting to get mad because I'm like, these are my old. This is something that like it's sort of like fixed in like by like the fifth episode of season one, you know, like it, I only complained for a little while and then then they started progressing Kaz's character. And now it's that now this is just one like with plot element after, plot, you know, just like, oh, this person's doing this thing just sort of doofily. And now that and it's just a series of things that just get them into 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 the, you know, where they need to be for the plot. I was. Yeah, I, I, I have. This, a... this is my least favorite of all three parts. I think the first part, I think this had all the, you know, just what like really highlighted all the stuff that I didn't like about this episode. I I mostly agree. I'm I'm in the same boat with you because. I I have a very similar note to that. Um, when this episode lets the story tell its story naturally, it works really well. It has a lot of cool stuff in it, but the slapstick feels out of place for one. Like the drunk Kaz scene, like that just feels so out of place because we haven't done that since season one. It's and, like they didn't want to. They wanted to make it not scary in the Sith Temple or something, or less yeah, scary. Yeah, it was. It was very weird because it wasn't needed. Because Kaz, Kaz is a wrecking ball. Just, just him standing up and putting a hand on a wall like sets off a trap. Like that's enough. That's all you need. You don't need to have this whole entire drunk bit with him when he is already that person. Um, and it's underdeveloped too, so you don't really is. know what's going on with it, you know. It really is, and I don't know if there was just something here where, because usually I don't mind, I don't mind the slapstick of resistance in season one, but they've definitely moved on past that, so it sticks out here. But I agree, like I also feel like the story would have been stronger if Kaz didn't invite the kids. Like that seems weird. Um, I totally agree with that because it's it's a different story if like he's packing up the shuttle and he turns away and you see like their little heads go by and then yeah. like they land on the thing and they pop up like, hey, Kaz, <laughs> like that's. A completely yeah. And then he goes, what are you story. doing here? And they're like, we wanted to see trees again, you know, and yeah, yeah, gave him and, the, you know, and by that time it's too late. So he doesn't have to. Like, yeah. And and it would have also been one of those things that um, 
it would have brought Tora and Freya in on it too, because I, I, my, I have a small gripe, but it's a continued gripe with the aces. I always want more of the aces, but it would have been different if, like, then in that case, like Tora and Freya got brought in and they saw the kids and they were like, "What are you guys doing here?" And they're and Freya, I could see Freya just being like, "Well, more hands to help, start picking shit up." Like that would have been a really funny moment for Freya to be like, "Oh, more people to yeah. help us here. Go grab a yeah. box." <laughs> So I yeah I totally agree. Like Act One does feel mechanical. Freya, Freya is and and we had an opportunity to to get her character doing something and she has absolutely nothing to do. No, I know this is her episode of season two. This is her episode and it makes yeah. me so mad. <laughs> she gets to she gets to sit sit on the ground with her hands on her head. And she gets to go shopping because I guess that's yep. what girls do. <laughs> I do I will say I do like that she brings that up like Doza's like here go shopping and she's like really like you didn't ask Griff or Hype to do this like I, I like how she has that moment like like ooh so dangerous actually Hype seems like he would be more into shopping than Freya would yeah but he's not into heavy lifting the moment he was just like That's oh he, the true. moment he was like this isn't a Gucci store like he would have been out <laughs> he would have been he would have bitched the whole time um but yes I agree like see act one feels very mechanical um, it feels like it's like we must put character A, B, and C in plot mm-hmm. A to get it to plot B. I absolutely agree with you on that one. Um, that all said, I do like a lot of the stuff in season one. Um, one of the things I really like about this episode is seeing how non-Force users, non-Jedi look at the Force. Um, and it almost felt like it was a story that they were trying to tell of like, how people see religion differently because like ayla ayla reminds me of like a bunch of people who were religious and 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 like the kids are like just regular churchgoers you know they're not like miss into the mystical aspect of it and and the other and kaz and freya are just regular sort of secular people where they're like oh a church yeah whatever you know and they're just like oh a church i recognize that you know yeah, and I like that. Like, I, I, yeah. I have a note that says it kind of feels like they found just, like, some old church in the woods. And, like, uh-huh. if you come across, like, an old abandoned church in the woods, you know it's, like, used for worship and for higher power. So even if it's, like, an abandoned place, like, there's still a little bit of respect that you give to it because you know that even if it's not important to you, it's important to somebody. Well, here's so, another like, thing that shows that they're not super force sensitive is it didn't throw off a super bad vibe for for any of them. You know, they were like, oh, you know, the kids got it a little more. And we're like, oh, I don't think this is a Jedi temple, but it wasn't just like, you know, like like I would I feel like if you're in a Sith temple it, it, like and you realize you went like, wait a minute, isn't this a Sith, Sith temple like? Like it, like the lighting would shift and all of a sudden your skin would go clammy. You know, it would just <laughs> immediately turn on the ah, just a, just a mess with you. You know, and mm-hmm. and there didn't seem to be any of that. Uh, everything, all the like, all the tension from it just came from booby traps and and getting lost. You know, it was there wasn't like the existential dread that you would think that you would get from a Sith temple. Mm-hmm. But they still have, like, those nice, like, little force elements, like the butterflies. Like, butterflies have really, we've seen this with Ben Solo, we've seen this with Grogu, because this was a thing in The Mandalorian. And, like, we have it here, too, where, like, butterflies have become sort of, like, loth cats or loth wolves. They've become, like, this messenger of the force. Except now they're bringing them into a Sith temple. (laughs) But, or or was it bringing them to Mika Gray? And this is where I think that Mika was supposed to be 
a bigger story. This is where I, I feel yeah. like if if resistance had gone on, we would see we would have seen a bigger story because the butterflies led them to Mika, and no. she needed help. I mean, couldn't you sense with her character like a little extra amount of backstory? Yeah, that, that we don't know about, but that, I know. that she has an extra amount of backstory. She has an extra amount of character design. You know, mm-hmm. they they got they they really picked out a voice at like a a a a, a sort of familiar TV voice. Or, you know, somebody you know actress. Yeah. So th- there obviously was a little effort put into her. You know. Oh my God! I just thought of it. I didn't write write this in my notes, but it just hit me. You know what her tattoos remind me of? Mm. The Tartakovsky Clone Wars, where Anakin had to go on that spirit journey, oh. and all the, and all the, the slugs crawling over, and they make those tattoo patterns yes. on him. Yeah. Oh my God! That's maybe, awesome. Maybe maybe there's some connection there. Yeah. Oh, I wonder. I wonder because it just hit me as you were talking. Oh, I wonder. Um, but, but I do like what this story is kind of telling. It's kind of that coded, like talking about religion. Cause you have Ella, uh, Ayla, that's a little force sensitive. Mika studies the force like a scholar. You have Cass who doesn't believe in it. And I like that. I think that's a really cool idea to do with these normal people. Cause yeah. we we're so used to seeing the force from like the Jedi and the Sith, but what do normal people think of the force? Yeah, I think Mika is totally Indiana Jones where she, you know, she, she has, the force sensitivity of of anybody but she's she's like an archaeologist who's seen some supernatural shit so she's you know she's no she's not agnostic about the force because she's seen some shit you know indiana jones saw a bunch of nazis get their faces melted off (laughs) and who knows what mika gray's seen but it's probably been something you know similar to that it's probably been been some empire goons get their faces melted off so it is cool that like she specifically looks for sith relics to keep them away from kylo ren right well that that like that as a premise for a a show too is gold you know Mm -hmm. and and it puts kylo ren it's put puts kylo ren in the mix too potentially and maybe that might be maybe they decided not to go with a show with featuring kylo ren in it because because honestly this would have been a good episode for kylo ren to show up if kylo ren was going to show up in resistance right here to come get his his sith you know that would have completely changed all the fucking stakes these kids would not have gotten out alive (laughs) yeah yeah like no there would have had to been there would have had to been some like chaotic element that came in and screwed him up and got and allowed oh them to God. get out of there I you know the, i just thought of the chaotic element like what if they lead him back into the temple but because kaz had set off the traps he knows what buttons to push and he makes kylo fall and it gives yeah. him enough time to get away that would have been awesome yeah ah, let us write a star wars <laughs> and then kylo would have had another humiliation under his belt this time by a bunch of people even younger than him so I yeah mean, it would be great I mean, Thrawn got beat by a bunch of teenagers constantly sure, and i still sure. love him i still love him very much so um the only other note i just thought it was a very funny bless line. his heart bless his heart oh, poor Thrawn. bless us i mean see they were callous he got beat by a bunch of teenagers constantly <laughs> so. yeah at least he couldn't beat him and he joined him yeah that's, that's a very good point they can't beat him go join them and fuck him right. aside you, you get a free of the side. While, 
Who's the smart one? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't beat them, so I got a boyfriend instead. Fuck you, Constantine, King of Hubris, last of your name. Wow, I can't believe I remember that, that nickname from Rebels. Anyway, um, the only other note I have is I just think it's a very funny line of Kaz yelling at CB. You know, you're very opinionated, because she is, and that makes me laugh. <laughs> Did you have any other notes for Act 1? I do not. Doot. You doot. So act two. Let's do that. <clears throat> Let's do that. Get our pre-prep on. <laughs> Prepping the prep. Prepping the prep. Go back to our last two episodes. Prep, prep. Prep, prep. Prep, prep. Prep, prep. Prep, prep. Anyway. If you don't know what we're talking about, just check out the last two episodes. You'll you'll find out. Anyway, Act Two. So up above ground, Tora and Freya are doing all the work, and Freya's like, "Where is that Kaz child? He's supposed to be helping us." And Tora's calling Kaz, and he's just she's just like, "Kaz, come in!" And they can't get him because of course Kaz is underground. So Tora's starting to get a little worried. She's like, mm, "He's either dead or in trouble. Probably dead." But oh no, their sensors start going off and they check it out. And there are some ships on the inbound. And the ships are not from the Colossus, which I just, now as I'm saying this out loud, why didn't the Colossus get them? <laughs> didn't the Colossus see them coming and like they could have sent out the other aces to take out the ships? I don't know, plot holes. Anyway, we go back down below. In Kaz's meeting, Mika Gray, she is a force archaeologist who clearly lifts, bro, because this woman, this woman lifts. She one-handedly picks up Kaz, a grown-ass adult man, and lifts him with one hand and holds him up above her head because Mika fucking Grey lifts and she does not skip leg day, and I'm pretty sure she's secretly the Hulk. And Mika's like, are you a Bye. And Kaz is like, that's a very complicated answer, scary lady. And she demands to know if he's from the First Order. And Kaz is like, I'm just a pilot. Please don't kill me. I just want to know where my kids are. She throws him down. She's like, don't move. And he's like, okay. And then, of course, it's Kaz. So he starts kind of wiggling around everywhere. And she's just like, stop moving. And she explains that they're now in a Sith temple which the Jedi Temple was built on top of as a purification of suppression. And Mika warns Kaz that if he's not careful, he's going to step on some traps. Turns out that Mika was the one that made the villagers run away because she raised the Sith Temple two days prior. Of course, of course, Kaz doesn't listen, and he steps on the thing, and then the magical spinning Sith carnival ride starts going off, and they're both like, ah! And Mika's like, damn it! And Kaz is like, ah! And Mika's like, stop yelling! Help! <laughs> and they start screaming as they're spinning on this carnival ride, and there's some sharp blades or rocks. I don't know what was coming at them. It's kind of hard to see. But anyway, something bad is coming at their faces, and they can't move. During all this, the kids from Tahar run into CB23, and CB23 is like, Oh my god, there you are! You have to come with me now, because I left Kaz alone, which means he's probably dead, but you have to come with me now. Let's go! And she rolls away, and the kids are like, We don't speak, droid! Who knows what she fucking said? And CB23 is just like, GET YOUR ASSES OVER HERE! And so they're like, I guess we'll follow the droid. So they follow the droid, 
and then takes him back to Kaz, who is losing his shit and doing his always funny Kaz scream. No matter what happens, I'm always here for Christopher Sean making Kaz go, Christopher Sean is great, I love it. And Mika instructs the kids to press the Sith symbol, and like which symbols to press, and she talks them through it, and they quickly press the things, and they have to press two symbols because it's a Sith symbol, and always two there are. <laughs> ah, nice detail. And the kids, kids mash the two buttons, and they stop the machine from killing Kaz and Mika. So they climb out of the trap, and Mika goes to grab the relic, and she stuffs it in her bag. And they're all like, so what is that, scary lady? She's like, I'm saving this to keep it away from Kylo Ren. And they're like, what's a Kylo Ren? Actually, they wouldn't say what's a Kylo Ren, because Kylo Ren destroyed Kel and Ayla's village. So now this joke is null and void. Anyway, so she's, she's getting the Sith relic to save it from other people. And as he's getting up, Kaz accidentally pushes the button, and the temple begins to collapse. And they're all like, ah! So they run out of the temple, and they run, 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 and the rocks are falling everywhere, and they gotta get out of there, and they run the fast out of there, and they finally are outside. And they're like, yay, we're outside, and we didn't die. And in the distance, they hear a blaster fire. And Kaz's heart turns cold, because he's like, oh no, where's Tora and Freya? And they sneak over, and they look, and the First Order is there, and they have Freya and Tora held hostage. Bum, bum, bum. What did you think of Act 2? What act are we on? Two! It's better than Act 1. I mean, this one is a big... Um, def- this is just... This This one is the big tribute to Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, I mean, it's got the, 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 the temple collapse scene. What's really funny is the spinning chamber part is, like, from probably the most least liked Indiana Jones movie, The Crystal Skull. But uh, it just had lots of lots of nice little Indiana Jones references in it, and uh, there's even one more in in Act Three, and the fact that the the stormtroopers are called raiders mm-hmm. that uh, that that's kind of a dead giveaway. Um, otherwise, the comedy in this was really frustrating me, especially the part with Kaz and Mika, because. Really, Mika gives off a vibe of competence. And Kaz just bumbled himself in there by not listening to her advice. And then he just sits there and just like stubbornly will, you know, like in season one, like he's learned nothing, you know, where like I was like where she was like, you have to be silent. I'm like, oh, please don't do the the uh, you know and he does the standard bugs bunny like oh shut up i know when to shut up when someone tells me to shut up i shut up i no more talking you know and okay once okay but then he just keeps going with it and like and the the stop moving and so he just never learns in it and he's in such a uh high stakes situation that it just it, it's very it was very frustrating Here's the thing that, if, that, if, I think it would have worked a lot better if he was like more just more restrained about it, you know. Here's the here's the I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate and I'm going to preface this devil's advocate by advocate by saying I agree with you. Um, but what reason does he have to trust this person he doesn't know? Like yeah. the whole time he's trying to get his flashlight because, you know, he's in a dark place with a person he doesn't know. And that's what he's trying to get. He's trying to get his flashlight. Um, what reason does he have to listen to her? 
He does because he doesn't know that she's not first order. She could be a first order agent too because Nina was. Nina worked yeah. for the first order, so like, why should no, be, he listen to be, her? But by being by being quiet and watching, you're gonna find out more. You know, either way, it's wiser to like, you know, obs- but you know, uh, or if he was like doing it to distract her or something while he did while he went to get his light or something, but he's not. He's just sort of like panicky you know babbling and and stuff and yeah i mean he could have still like like given off the you know um suspicion and 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 stuff like that without without it being slapstick you know i think the slap it was the the playing for comedy part of it just didn't didn't work for me it was it was and and it could have worked but i don't think it was just i just don't think it was handled very well but it gave me i just had an idea hmm. yeah, for the mika mika gray show you know who would be her you know who would be well you know i mean kylo ren would show up every once in a while you know who would be her main nemesis who captain afra Ooh. Captain Afra, or whatever, or whatever Afra. Oh, Doctor Afra. Doctor Afra, Doctor Afra. I thought you were trying to say Captain Fast. She might be Captain Do- Afra by that time. You know, God. she'll be. She would probably be about Mika's age, then yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, I'd watch it. And she would be the exact opposite of Mika. So it'd be really that that could be really fun. And and Doctor Afra is a very popular character be here for that i'd be absolutely here for to see that um by the way i agree with you i just wanted to hear what you would say today oh, okay <laughs> um all right devil's advocate i just yeah because devil's actually, advocate um my my smallest note i have is i think this is a really cool bit because it seems like everyone in star wars can understand them but i like that kill and ayla can't speak droid I thought that was a really cool thing. I just like, watched a video about how nobody can speak droid. Really? Yep. Yep. That that like um there's a couple cutscenes from some of the movies where it's shown that like when anybody understands what the droids are saying, they're usually reading it off a a translator. That and, is like, true. Ship and, s- and some of it is binary because we did see that um, Ezra in Rebels had to learn how to understand Chopper, and Zeb never like uh, didn't pick it up as fast because uh, we had to. We actually watched Ezra actively learn how to talk to Chopper because he didn't understand him in the beginning. Like that was actually a thing. So um, I, I like when they point those little things out of like not everybody can speak binary, and I, I just think that's a cute bit where CB is just like, I'll, come on, let's I'll, I'll go. try to They're find like, the video yeah. and send it to you. It was really good. Somebody really did yeah, their no, homework. You're, you're right. You're right. Because um, when I, when I read Heir to the Empire, um, Luke had to do that. Like he would read off um, when when R two was in his X wing, Luke had to read off what R two was saying to him on right. And, the, so and there was you're right. There was a scene that they cut out of uh, Episode three. Where when R2 is running the elevator and R2's like, they got the comm link and they hear burp, 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 and Anakin's looking at the comm link and hit, whacking it with his hand going, there's no text on it. And then R2 oh. goes, bloop, 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 bloop. And he looks at Obi-Wan and he goes, do you know what he's saying? And Obi-Wan's like, I don't speak. I'm not an astromech droid. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I like, the, like when they bring that up because it just seems like everybody can speak droid, but not everybody can. I thought that was a cool little bit. Um, 
Although they did translate the Arabesh in in Anakin's ship in episode one when he flew up to the, the spaceship and R2 was saying, Anakin, turn the ship around and go back immediately. Um, so I, I just have a couple notes about Mika, Mika Gray. I just, I just think she's a really cool character. Mm-hmm. She has a fantastic design. Like her design is just so great. Like she, she's just one of those characters that you think of when you think of resistance. Like, even though she's only in like two fucking episodes, like her yeah, design put, is so stunning. They put some thought at like her design is to continue on into another adventure. She's got jungle design, you know, she's got Indiana Jones design. Mm-hmm. It's, um yeah and i she kind of um why did i write that i meant that note for ayla um yeah sorry i put this note there i i meant to say earlier in act one that ayla reminded me of chirrut from rogue one in a lot of ways um because she wasn't like fully force sensitive but she was aware of the force episode that was supposed to be an act one note but i i kind of want to see i would love to see mika gray like hang out with people like maz kanata or aunt z I like that. Those are just like her people. And I think that they would be really yeah. cool on adventures with her as well. Um, and the other thing is I will absolutely give this to the sequel trilogies. It's really cool to have an older woman. And that's something that the sequel trilogy does a lot of to have older characters. Um, it's so, it's not the standard of Hollywood to have like once characters reach, like actors reach a certain age, they kind of lose work. Like, um, and that I will give that to the sequel trilogies because the prequels and the original trilogies, most of the cast was younger. But because all these actors are in their later years, there's a lot of focus. And to make the choice of making Mika Gray an older woman, that's an active choice that they made, which is a really cool choice because there are really only so many older characters that are pr- participating in Star Wars. And almost all of them are in the sequel trilogy outside well, of like the occasional Tarkin and the Palpatine. Well, they also didn't make being an older woman the her character trait at yeah. all. It was just it was just a part of her character. Well, and like there's also a tendency to make old 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 women into like either like you know Little witchy bitties. witchy characters or, or, biddies, or, or biddies or or super spiritual characters. You know, like wise spiritual characters. And no, she's just. She's just tough, and she she's been doing it for a long time. She lifts Kaz up with one hand, and he's a grown-ass, like, 20-year-old yeah. adult. <laughs> no, she's built like Madonna was back in her, her heyday when she was working out all the time, and she was thin, but she was, like, cut out of metal, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, And that is something I really like about the sequel trilogy is – and of course, a lot of it is the original trilogy cast is not older, but to have so much focus on the older characters, like you don't really see that a lot in a lot of media. And I think that's just a really cool active choice that they made. Um, so I want to talk about a little bit about the actually, did you have any other more no- notes before I can? Nope. I'm just going to. Yeah. OK, um, I want to talk about the how the Jedi and the Sith lore are presented here. I love the phrase purification of suppression. That is like the like how you describe the Jedi of the prequel era. Yes. And it's yeah. such a per because it's it's the you whole hear that thing. and you just go like, come on, guys, that ain't gonna work. 
<laughs> and, and that's the thing. Like, it's them putting Band-Aids on stuff. And that's yeah. how it feels like. Um, because they didn't try to get rid of Sith stuff. They just built their own shit on top of it. And they probably had some, they probably were like, we'll, we'll do something with this. And then they just sort of sat on it and were like, in the back of their heads, were like, ah, just being Jedi on top of this will neutralize it. And, and it, that, that, that's a really great way of putting it. Like, it shows their hubris that, that they thought that they could beat these things just by building on top of it and kind of paving over it. But yeah. it, it's kind of it's kind of like nature in a parking lot. Like, you'll always see grass, like, kind of pop up in the middle of a parking lot because it always po- pokes back through. Does it take um, long for nature to tear up a parking lot if you if you don't keep after it? Yeah, and that's why I really liked Mika's line of these things always rise to the surface because you can't just suppress evil. I mean, we've been seeing that recently the last years in our political system. Like, you know, if you don't fully take away these things and fully address it and and take care of it, it's going to keep popping up to the surface. Yeah. And you have to address it. And I and I liked how they handled that Jedi and that Sith Lord it's, here. It's, it's the flip side of what they were uh, some of the one of the themes in the you know if you of that you could glean from the sequel trilogy of it's the the, the say you know you bat or, or actually it's run throughout Star Wars is that you can batter the good guys down to if you know all you need is one or two good guys with some hope and mm-hmm. eventually you can build it back up so it's the, yeah it's the flip side of that and it only just look at the broom boy in Last Jedi like they have their this horrible broom loss. Boy. And- and they're all down, but you have that final image of hope of a force-sensitive boy. Right. And it's such an it's such a hopeful image. How we saw that in the the final shot of Clone Wars. You have the Empire there, Vader's there, but he looks up and there's Morai. Morai's flying over as a symbol of the light side. And I and I like that. I, I liked how this as you said, this is kind of the flip side of that, but it, it's true. Like there it's the force is about balance and it can't be just Jedi or just Sith. And they're always going to be back and forth. But I just, I loved so much of what Mika was saying and how she talked about this because it just really in a sequel trilogy story really showcased the flaws of the Jedi in the prequel era. And it was a really cool way of addressing this, especially because she's an outsider. She's not a force sensitive person. She's an archaeologist, but she's not force sensitive. So she's looking at it from like, and she was kind of laughing at it too. Like they thought they could build a temple on top of it. Well, these things always come to the surface. <laughs> Those dead Jedi. Yeah. Like she, she's almost laughing at it. And there's a lot there. And I, and I just think it's really cool how it's presented here. But you ready for the prep? Yep. Uh, yes. Prep, prep to the prepity prep. Prep, prep to F3. F3 Prepper's prep. delight. Prep of that rapper. F3, let's go. <laughs> you ready? Let's wrap up those ashy butterflies. <laughs> F3. So Freya and Tora have been captured by a group of Force Order, First Order Stormtrooper Raider people. And the Raiders interrogate the ladies, and they're all like, who's here with you? Someone was in the temple. And Tora's like, don't make me go in a rage at you. I will rage, and I have killed before, and I will kill again. And it turns out the troopers, for once, are not actually after the Colossus crew. They've been tracking Mika Gray because they are specialty troopers who look for force relics and Mika Gray has been like their number one person to find. 
Tamika's like, well, your friends are dead. Let's go to my ship. And they start walking to their ship. And Cass is like, we can't leave my friends behind. She's like, I'm going to my ship. And then off in the distance, the First Order blows up her ship. And Kaz is like, what's that about a ship? And she's like, I will stab you. So the only way to escape now is to save Tora and Freya. And Mika's like, not my friends, not my circus, not my monkey. Bye-bye. And she gets on out of there. And Kaz is like, fuck. All right, kids. We're going to save Tora and Freya. And so they start heading over that way. And the head trooper's name, the head trooper is a guy named Snooter Mc, Snooty McSnooterson, because I didn't care enough. He actually has an official character name, but he's only in this episode, and he dies in four minutes. So I didn't actually put his name to memory. So he is now Snooty McSnooterson. And Snooty McSnooterson is like, you, little girl, Tora, someone's been in that temple, and it's my greatest rival, Mika Gray. And Tora's like, some rival that is, because you're about to die. And also, you just arrived two minutes ago, so I guess it's a rival? I don't know. And so he's all like, find the people who's been in the temple. And they capture Kaz and the kids. And they pull them over. And I, actually, I, I, I want to say something about this scene. Like, Kaz protects these kids and puts his way in front of the blaster. And I'm going to have a note about that, but he he puts himself in front of the, between the kids and the blasters. He's like, please don't shoot us. We're unarmed. Take us away. And so Snooter, Snooty McSnooterson pulls him over, and Snooterson is like, Ha ha! I have captured you! And out of nowhere, off in the distance, Mika Gray is like, What's up, bitches? And he's like, Mika Gray, my greatest rival, I will fight you! And Mika Gray is like, I don't even fucking know who you are, what's your name? And he's like, I'm Snooty McSnooterson, give me the MacGuffin! I need the magical MacGuffin! And Mika Gray's like, oh, you want it? You want this magical MacGuffin? All right. And she activates it. She throws it at the troopers. And the kids and the heroes and Kaz all run back into the temple. And the relic explodes. And it takes out all the, uh, the stormtroopers. And McSnooterson is like, remember me? And Mika's like, nah, bye, die mad, bitch. So anyway, the relics exploded. The stormtroopers are gone. Everybody's fine. And... Mika's like, wow, this relic's useless now because I destroyed it. Who wants to learn the ep- lesson of the episode? Don't fucking team up with Kaz! And Kaz is like, you know, you're right. <laughs> so Tori invites Mika to come back to the Colossus because it's the least they can do since she saved their lives. So they grab all the free shit in town, shove it on their ships, and they hop on the shuttle and they start heading back to the Colossus. And the kids come up to Kaz, and they're like, we're really sorry we wanted to see trees. And Kaz is like, well, I'm really sorry I was out of character in Act 1 and put you guys in danger when we're in the middle of a fucking war. So don't do it again, kids. And kids are like, hope you're not out of character for other episodes, Vox Vortex 5000 and a few episodes. And Kaz is like, me too. Anyway. Um, so finally the show ends with Ayla going up to Mika, and she's like, are you an angel? And Mika's like, don't ever say that to me again. (laughs) Sorry, I had to throw that in there. No, no, Mika asks if Mika, uh, Ayla asks if Mika is Force-sensitive. And Mika's like, no, I'm not Force-sensitive, but, you know, the Force doesn't belong to any one person. It doesn't belong to the Jedi or the Sith. It belongs to all of us. And Kaz listens in and looks very thoughtful about it at the end. (laughs) That kind of just sort of ends. It does. Like, it's 
does kind of the, <laughs> the next then the, the other raider scene in this was where where she was up on the top of the the temple with the with the it ended differently but it was set up like the the raiders where you know they have marion and they're down in a valley and he's up there with a bazooka it's like hey i'm gonna blast the ark <laughs> but uh but it's set up almost exactly the same um yeah I, at this point i was like ah, we're adding a character and then i remembered mika doesn't really like go anywhere in the story we're adding a character but you know no tam the force talk is pretty good but it's eh, so so you know it's not anything you know great addition to canon or anything but it's a it's a nice little wrinkle but it's yeah so by the end i was just sort of like "Eh, yeah it's a slice of life show chris it's not supposed to change the canon that's not how it functions i know i know but still when you're going through what i went through when i first watched it that's why i'm having fun with this this is how i really had on that's all I really had on Act Three. I was just sort of like, oh. that's the thing. like, this is how I. You are exactly how I was every episode when I watched it for the first time. Where I was like, why is the show functioning this way? And then I realized that's not the function of the show. It's supposed to be a slice of life survival kind of thing, but it does not have a canon changing plot. The first season, yes. The second season, it does the everything changes, and it's and the, then the then it's. Uh, on the run and you're in war so yeah I so so then it it's like you know now their, their slice of life is the regular slice of life from star wars now which is wars <laughs> yeah they are now in the wars part of the show but no i i do agree that the execution needs to be cleaner i i will totally give you that one because we're we're entering let's see um reason let me pull up my list um we're starting to enter like a handful of episodes where we're two episodes away from my least favorite episode of the show. And there's two episodes back to back where it just feels like the execution's off because it feels like it should be telling a different story, which is why I'm looking forward to looking at these episodes in a vacuum, especially one of them. We have a guest and the guest chose this episode. It's my least favorite episode of oh. the show and i'm just like yes please come on because i actually really hate this episode <laughs> please come on and make me like it <laughs> but um i i do agree that there's some wonky ones in this um but i don't feel like that about this episode because i don't have to agree with you <laughs> um but that is all your things that's all i got okay um, let me throw this out because I already kind of mentioned this. My only real biggest gripe of this episode is I wish Freya got to do more, but I always want more of the aces. So that's that's an that's a no. Um, Resistance is a show of subtleties. I think, and I was and I was writing about this on Twitter earlier today. Um, that you have to when when you push the slapstickiness aside and actually like really deep dive and analyze the show as we're doing. This is a show of subtleties, and that's where you can see the the a lot of the changes happening. And I, I kind of talked about this in act, the Act 3 recap, but there's a moment when Kaz is with the kids, and they're sneaking through, and there's a blaster fire that goes off right in front of Kaz. The first thing Kaz does is throw his arm in front of the kids and gets in the way of that blaster. And that's such 
it seems so quick and so small, but that's such a heroic moment for him that he, without thinking, throws his body in between two kids in a blaster. And that kind of subtlety shows what kind of hero he is. He doesn't even think about it. There's no dialogue. He just does it. And it, but it's so fast, and it, but it's such a big moment for him. And that's what I really like about Resistance, that if you just focus on the slapstick nature, you don't appreciate those moments, because I'm not sure if season one Kaz would have done that. I'd like to think that he was, but I feel like he might have bumbled his way through it. But it was such a decisive mood. Blaster happened, he threw his arm out in front of the kids without even thinking. And it wasn't comedic. It was just, it was just a reaction. Reflex. Yeah, absolutely. And it's such a good moment. And I actually watched it like four times. And it's stuff like that that I think that a lot of people miss with the show. They miss those little subtleties and those little nods, you know. And that's where a lot of, and like like Sonara, we've talked all season about how Sonara is a visual character. It's about what she's not saying. It's about her body language, her facial expressions, because she's not going to actually say what she's thinking. It's all in her physical actions. But if you're just going off the dialogue, you're going to miss that. And that's where a lot of her development is, where you see her, like, say one thing and then look really unsure about it. And that's that's what I really like about Resistance is how subtle the storytelling is. But that's where a lot of the best moments are hidden. I'd agree with that. Uh, yeah. What uh, right here? Uh, that's kind of the same thing. Um I want a third season only if I can have more of whatever four stuff Ayla and Mika get up to. What's a note? <laughs> just, just a note. Whatever they get up um, to on a third season. Yeah. I think a season three would be really interesting, too, because now there, there's a year between Last Jedi and Tross, so they have, like, an entire year there to play with. And I think they could bring in people like Rose and Finn and Poe, like there's there's a lot of fun stuff. Can you imagine Ray coming to the Colossus and like meeting Mika Gray and Mika just being like, hey, let's talk about shit. Like that would be so cool. <laughs> so like now that Tross is complete and we know there's like a year there to play with, like a season, a third season of Resistance would be so good. <laughs> so I was just thinking, hmm. what like what is Mika Gray gonna do with that Sith? Oh, wait, she threw it over her shoulder. She left it behind because it was useless. No, no, I mean, originally. Because, A, her throwing it and blowing it up is actually the best thing that could have happened because she got rid of the power. It didn't fall into Kylo Ren's hands. But what was she going to do with it? Like she, I would have like, to assume something along the those lines. Like, keep it as long as she could or maybe hide it in a different place. Um, yeah. Maybe, but Took like if she like if it was to sell to somebody, that it would not be going to like, it, yeah, it would. It, it seems like you would almost rather destroy it than have it floating around anywhere, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, the only other note I have is it's played as a joke because Mika's like, "What's the lesson of the day?" And I, and I, actually, I had to laugh because it felt like that PSA kind of thing that they do in like very traditional cartoons, and I like when they do stuff like that. But it is still her quote unquote lesson is kind of a backwards Jedi lesson because well, she it's, it's kind of funny because it's kind of ahead of uh, um, uh, the last Jedi with Luke. Mm-hmm. It's, she almost does the same exact motion as Luke. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Yeah, where he throws his lightsaber over his shoulder yeah. after Ray's been looking for him. And that's kind of the fun thing about it is that she specifically says, I've spent two and a half years looking for this little thing, and now it's busted. And that's a really kind of fun Jedi lesson. Like, sometimes you put a lot of time and energy into something, and it just doesn't work out. And you have to learn to let that go and move on to the next thing. And so but I, the thing is, it kind of did work out. It, yeah, not the way she She's thought. just mad because she doesn't have a ship anymore. Yeah, so I, so I thought that was cool that, like, in a show with not a lot of Force stuff, like, they still had kind of a backwards Jedi lesson slid in there. Um, it, it did feel very like like Last Jedi, as you said, so. But that's all I have for this episode. And now that I think about it, when the First Order blew up her ship, they they know who she is. They, should, they shouldn't have been surprised when they saw her. They should have mm-hmm. been like, oh, there's Mika Gray's ship. Now you're just now you're just nitpicking. Now I'm just nitpicking. Now you're I just am. nitpicking. I am. Well, I just thought of it, so I thought I'd pick. You're so salty, so score up the episode. Uh, I gave it a seven point five. It's fun. like I complained a lot during it, but it was like after the first act, it was most it was you know pretty it was a pretty enjoyable slight episode. Um, but. Yeah, it didn't. It's it's my least favorite so far this season. Mm. Um, I'm the absolute opposite. Um, I love this episode. It's it's a lot, and it does help that I'm looking at these as individuals, kind of in a vacuum, not like in a story as a whole. And I I tried really hard to drop the whole thing of like this is last season. Um, there's so much subtlety going on in this episode with the characters, and I really enjoy seeing the force being looked at by people outside of the forest. Like, none of these people are Jedi or Sith or or Lasats or Night Sisters. They're just regular Joe Schmo people and pretty much a church, running around a church. Like, that's what it is. Um, I really like Mika. I think she's such a cool character. I want more of her. If anything is, I hate that the show ended and we didn't get more Mika and we didn't get more Freya because it's it feels like they were starting something very important here and they never got to build to it because this feels like it should be a very important episode. And it just kind of is now here. But other than that, I loved it. I actually gave it a nine out of 10. I, wow. really, enjoy, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> That's a one. Po- we usually don't have 1.5. Yeah, we're, we're a lot closer parts. normally. Um <clears throat> Well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page, or on the Two True Freaks website. Um, Chris can't see our feedback this week, so I'm going to read it, because it's on our Twitter, and I forgot to put it in the document, because I'm silly. Forgot to put it in the document. But um, I, but I did actually send it to you earlier, Chris. I've seen it, yes. Mm-hmm. It's good feedback. I like this feedback. We did. So... If you follow us on Twitter, something I do is as I'm writing these outlines that we do, any moments that stick out to me, I like to put on, like put screenshots on our Twitter and talk about it and just kind of like a little hint of like what our notes are going to be and stuff like that. Or at least my notes, Chris isn't on Twitter, so it's, it's all me. And so we were reached out to by Charles, and he is one of the co-hosts of Gold Squadron's Gay Podcast. So Gold Squadron Greys are, they, they're really nice. I, I sadly haven't had a chance to listen to their show yet, but they've been really cool and they've been really supportive of the show. I think, if I remember correctly, correctly, Charles, forgive me if I'm wrong, I think they found our show through Pink Milk um, with our friends Brian and Mark. Who, oh, okay. And they were talking, yeah, so I think that's how they found it, but I, I'm not quite sure. 
so I had tweeted something about actually I tweeted about um, the the CAS protecting the children um, and Charles wrote I'm literally begging you all to listen to resistance episodes of J guy J guys and Jedi and see what I see in the show and I wrote back like hey thank you for like checking out and stuff like that you know and, what he sees uh, class quote unquote class <laughs> quote unquote yes um, and he wrote, I love resistance. My co-host did not. And it's a running point of conflict between us. I'm, try try I'm trying to force him to listen to these resistance coverages at, at, at blast point if necessary. And I wrote back like, I've been wanting to check out your show. There's not enough time today. Thank you so much for your kind words. I'm glad you're enjoying our coverage. And he wrapped up with, I'm lucky with my job that my job currently gives me a lot of time to catch up on shows. I'm working my way through the resistance coverage from y'all. You guys are awesome and making me appreciate appreciate a show I already love even more. So thank you for reaching out, Charles. I really want to get a chance to listen to Gold Squadron Gaze. I just haven't had the chance to listen to it yet. I'm so sorry. There's not enough time in the day, but I'm working on it. But thank you so much for supporting the show. And thank you for your super kind words. And I'm glad you're enjoying it. And go check them out. They're really nice. They're very supportive. Go follow them on Twitter. So go check out Gold Squadron Gaze, you guys. Thank you so much. Begging you guys to watch our shows. Mm -hmm. Say thank you. <clears throat> Actually, I think in thank you. I think actually in one of his <laughs> subsequent conversations with you, he also um, uh, also threatened to threaten his his co podcaster with to listen to our I, show. We highly approve of you threatening to co threaten people to listen to our shows. We're here yes, for that. Yes, absolutely. You, you absolutely. go into the history books with John Waters, who threatened to kill anybody who didn't listen to our show, <laughs> or he threatened to have them killed. He's classier than that. He would hire somebody to do it. He's John Waters. He's got money. Please don't kill people in the name of our show. No, please don't do that. Only John Waters is allowed to do that, and he and I know John. I know John Waters ain't the kind of guy who'd really kill somebody. What is this? This is from Germany. Okay, there we go. So candy time! Candy. Oh, that's right. We actually have candy for once. So if you don't know what we're doing, um, Chris hates American Kit Kats. So our friend Dario, who is Chris's co-podcaster from Eden Beat It, sends us candy from all over the world to review. And this week, oh my god, I put some in my mouth. It's delicious. This week, we're doing the not the Nausk Noppers, and they are from Germany. They sound like, it doesn't sound like slang for either boobs or balls. I thought so too. Like, oh, look at those noppers. Oh, that those are some low hanging noppers, huh? Oh, it mm. looks like it's going to be a Snickers on the cover, on, on the cover, on the wrapper, but it's really light and waffery. But there's some nougat in there too. There's nougat mm. in there. Mm. There's like a white, almost Oreo filling layer. Is that filling or a wrapper? I think it's a wrapper. No, there's like a. No, it's it's um. I've actually dug some of it out. It's almost it's. It tastes like Oreo filling, but it's got a little, uh, almost like the the texture is more like coconut flakes. Mmm. The nugget, the nuggies, the nougat is really interesting too because it's not as chewy as a nugget. It's, but it's not like this too is caramel like no it's it's, it's, it's the like middle layer of this the middle layer of this is like it's like got the harder layer like the thicker layers are on the outside mm -hmm. and the thinner layers on the inside 
So when you bite into it, it's weird. It like collapses and it's like, yeah. it's like spongy and mush. It's it's like it mushes when you bite it because of the different textures. It's that's a good it way of putting chewy. it. Yeah, it's, it's really good. It, yeah, it takes so much Dario. Mm, 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 mm. Well, do you have anything else for relic creators? I do not. All right, Chris, where can people find you? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That is our podcast website. And if you don't know, if you're new to uh, podcasts and websites, websites are these things on the internet, which is a series of tubes. And they take you to podcasts, which are like a radio show, except it's not live. That's That, that, that was me like 12 years ago, like explaining to everybody I knew. Um, podcasts are live, and most are. And you can sign up for, you can see all our podcasts, including this one there, and sign up for them on the RSS feed or uh, there or on Apple Podcasts. Or you can go to the the rapidly dying Facebook and. Uh, and Let uh, it die. Burn it if you have to. Help Kill it, it if die. you have to. <laughs> and, uh, and you can go to the Two True Freaks podcast there where we post up all our shows or the Two True Freaks Cantina where we talk about nerd stuff. Or you can go to the not dying but still evil and vile Twitter of GG Machine running our Twitter feed. Do, 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 do. Hang out with me and Gene. Yeah. But that's where they can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? Well, you can find me at JGuysAndJedi on Twitter. As I said, uh, that's where I run our Twitter account. And you can always usually tell on Mondays and Tuesdays when I'm working on podcast outlines because I will usually tweet out like little thoughts on the episodes and stuff. So if you want to kind of give it like a preview of some of my thoughts, I usually like to share like cool screenshots over at JGuys and Jedi. Um, you can also follow me at Hope Monix. I have my website, which is geekygirlexperience.com, where I like to write all sorts of reviews. And I'm also currently writing reviews for The Geeky Waffle. Um, I'm covering the show Owl House, and you should check it out because they also do some Star Wars coverage over there. My my friend Arzu, who has actually been a guest on our show, Arzu writes uh, Bad Batch reviews over there. And so you should go check out the Geeky Waffle, too, and join us at the Waffles. Um, and you can also check out mine and Chris's other show, Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, where I force Chris ball and chain to watch my favorite animated shows, and then he enjoys them, so I let him, I let him out. I was just going to say, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Ball and chain to wa- get me to watch Avatar. That's for sure. <laughs> and we are starting Avatar, and I we are finishing up Gravity Falls. There probably would have been a time where I would have taken a ball and chain to get me to watch Avatar, but not anymore. Yep, yep. So you can check that out over at Hope Me Mokes, Hope Make. <laughs> I was gonna say Hope Mo- Mocha, Hope Mocha, Hope makes Chris watch cartoons. So. All right. Well, I don't have anything else, so I think next week. I think our opposites would be cope and hiss. Cope and his watch cartoon. That sounds like Ren and Stimpy characters. Yes, it does. <laughs> Cope and his. Oh, next week. I'm really excited about next week. You know what next week is? Do we have a guest next week? No, no we don't have a guest next week. But we're actually oh. talking about one of my <laughs> absolute favorite episodes. We okay. get to meet one of my favorite characters of Resistance. She's here. She's awesome. She's a mom. A mom who doesn't die. We're going to meet Tora's mom, Vanessa Doza, next week. And I'm oh, super excited about right. it. So, yay! We are talking rendezvous points. So, come back next week and we'll get to finally get to talk about Vanessa Doza. Yay! <laughs>
<laughs> and the fact that her Tora's dad puts an entire platform of people in danger for his daughter's 16th birthday. <laughs> <laughs> sounds about right. That sounds like rich kids. Yep, yep. All right, bye, guys. Bye. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. All right, children, the lights are out and the party's over. It's time for me, Dr. D, to start running and say goodbye for a little while. And I know you're going to miss me, so I'll leave you with this. You know that big ball of radiation we call the sun? Well, it'll burst you into flames if you stay in one place too long. That is if the static don't get you first. So remember, even if you're dusted, you may be gone. But out here in the desert, your shadow lives on without you. This is Dr. Death Defying, signing off.